Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The regular season awaits, thank goodness. No more of this third-string offense versus the cheerleaders crap. First, Tom Brady is back, and I think I might puke. Second, a look at the last two divisions left to preview. And third, week one predictions so you know just how bad we are at this sort of thing. Welcome to the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. This is the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. I'm your wannabe cowboy host, Dylan Baker, with the much more tired, cynical, old-before-his-time journalist and analyst, Jonathan Harding. Each week, we take a look at all the happenings in the National Football League and bring you the highlights from around the sport. On and off the pitch, we'll keep you informed and entertained. So turn off your live TV with videos and people who are paid to do this sort of thing, and let's get started. Jonathan, Sir Harding, how's it going? Sir Harding, I like that. Sir what an Harding. intro. I feel like I've been knighted on the show. Good start. Good start. I'm, I'm ready. I'm so, so excited that, as you said, we're finally getting back to football that matters. It's all about the W's. Football that matters. Mm-mm-mm. It's almost like it's this sort of, it's like this peach that's just been hanging too high up <laughs> on a branch, and now it's just about to fall in our grasp. The preseason starts, or excuse me, the regular season starts tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be great. I mean, Peach. Wow, what an analogy. This is like a poetry class for, uh, <laughs> I for NFL. I did one of those this morning. It could be... Uh... <laughs> See, maybe it's wearing up on you. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> All right, so before we get into phase one with the preseason divisional recap, I got to ask, I know we're a little bit late on this, but on the Tom Brady issue, now everybody's seen the news, everybody's seen the ruling, so I don't want to talk about that. In the very first podcast, the very first fourth and five NFL podcast, you, Mr. Harding, said that with Jimmy Garoppolo, the New England Patriots were going to have a 1-3 in three start. With Tom Brady back, does that change? Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. No offense to Jimmy. To be fair. But, yes. uh, <laughs> you, you know, you're, t- you're talking about a player who's trying to win five Super Bowls this season. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think that we have really had a situation like this ever, really, where you've got one man who's caused so much controversy in the offseason who so many people are going to want to hit going into this season, um, trying to make history again. And yet 
now he's allowed to play from from the start and not just from week four. I think that changes the complexion of everything. I gives I think it gives everybody in that team a huge boost. I mean, who doesn't want this the two minute drill leading your offense? I mean, this guy is cooler than cool. Um, so yeah, of course it changes things. It probably turns it into a three and one rather than a one and uh, one and three. So. Well, hopefully that one is the uh, opening day lost uh, home to Obviously. Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. So uh, the only other question that I have on this, and, and, and I've, I've seen the debate over and over and over again, what sort of impact does this kind of decision have on this, uh, you know, quote-unquote Goodell, Roger Goodell tyranny of terror? You know, it's it seems like the, 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 the commissioner over the course of the past several years has seemingly made up rules at a whim and dealt out punishments based on how he was kind of feeling that day, whether he woke up and he was on his period or not. So my question <laughs> to you is finally someone has decided to knock on Goodell's door and punch him in the face with this sort of ruling. Does this have any future impact when it comes to player discipline? Uh, well, I hope so. But, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it... it... It sort of spells the beginning of the end, although that's the writing has been on the wall for a long time for for Roger. Um, I think the the biggest issue I have with the way that player punishment has been issued in the league is that there's no consistency to any of it. I mean, how can you have a wide receiver banned for I don't know what was it most of this season for smoking marijuana in a state in which it's legal, and yet someone beating up their wife only gets a four game ban? You know, like, there's no parity there. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. And I think if you're going to be, you have to be consistent. And this offseason has probably been the worst offseason of all time for NFL image. I can't think of a, 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 an offseason where more players haven't been involved in um, assault or possession of arms or drug-related incidents. Um, or firework-related incidents, or, or firework-related incidents that lost, that ended in the loss of fingers. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm sure people will be listening to this and thinking, "Well, you're talking about the 49ers." Yeah. Well, obviously, most of those things have unfortunately happened <laughs> at the 49ers, uh, so which has not been good for us, obviously. But it's you know, on a wider image, it's not been good for the league. So I'm hoping the impact, the decision does make a, an impact, and maybe we can see uh, the end of. His reign, really, um, so far as I'm concerned, this is not a man who is who is ruled with conviction. So the sooner that end comes about, the the happier I think most NFL fans will be. Absolutely, if he's ruled with anything, it's been more with 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 whimsy and fantasy, depending on depending on what nice. side of the the like the bed he broke he woke up on that morning. So, <laughs> all right, enough with uh, douchebag commissioner and douchebag Patriots receive uh, or quarterback. Excuse me. Let's move on to the <laughs> the preseason divisional recaps. Only two today because we were we were awesome and we were proactive and we made sure to take take care of three per pod in the first two. But we got we just like to look after our listeners. You know right, how that's it, that's right? It all goes. four of you. I'm so happy that you guys have been satisfied. <laughs> hey, that's a living room full, man. <laughs> So, but that does mean that we've got a little bit of extra fun here at the end, which we'll get to, into here in a minute. But first, AFC West. Let's talk about good old Peyton Manning. Let's talk about the Denver Brock Broncos. <laughs> Even now, in that accent, which is your accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not necessarily indicative of indicative of Denver. They they talk a little bit more like this, man. <laughs> When they're thinking about stuff. You know, we should have done that. We should have done an accent for each team. We should. That would have been good. Oh, my 
goodness. Well, whenever the soccer to football comparisons come come to a conclusion, well, at least we've got an idea. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. So since the return of Peyton Manning from injury a couple of years ago, we've continually asked the same question: When when does it end? When does the legend die? Uh, when does he finally hang up the pads? And once again, we can't go into this season without asking that same question: Is is this the end? Uh, yes. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. Pretty, pretty, I th- I think that you know you you've got to look. Yes, okay. Your weapons around him. How long can this guy keep it up and whatnot? But I think he's he's not even one hit away from a bad situation. Um, you know, he was embarrassed two Super Bowls ago. So if he wants to get anywhere near that again in terms of being able to make up for it, it's got a long way to go. And I think, yeah, he's made. Those wide receivers, what they are, they are talented, but he's made them what they are. I don't think he's got anything past the end of this season. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's best to get out before it gets poor. I think, you know, you know, there's so many players who've stayed in too long. I think this is the last one and I think he knows it. Yeah. To be honest with you, I the guy's not feeling his fingers. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely not. Well, and, and, and I know the big question whenever he did come back into the league and, and was getting ready to play his first snap. Everybody was talking about how, you know, how, how it was already immediately obvious that there was less zip on on the ball, and that was that was you know that was th- two three years ago now. So surely yeah. it's even even less so than what it was. And you've just got to start asking your question: Do you want to go out on a high? I mean, last season last season wasn't wasn't bad, but it didn't ultimately culminate to what Peyton Manning surely feels like he he should own up to, which is a Super Bowl. And to be honest yeah. with you, I don't think the Denver Broncos have that sort of team. Uh, not and, anymore. And, not no, anymore. absolutely not. You know, and one one thing that I will say uh, that is a little bit more of a bright spot. You know, we talk about the declining star of Peyton Manning, but C.J. Anderson was massive out of the backfield last year. There have been so many of these one-hit wonders in the NFL. Can he replicate that and help Peyton Manning? Hopefully, probably not achieve those those sort of dreams of glory. Well, I think he will get the opportunity to. Obviously, I think that's that's the key. Uh, whether he will take that chance or not remains to be seen, but he will certainly get the chance uh, to do so. I'm I'm pretty sure that yeah, there'll be a focus on giving him more reps because they're aware that Manning has lost a bit of zip on the ball and that they can't always rely on him. And you know, the Denver Broncos will outlast Peyton Manning's career, so they have to be thinking about the franchise. Um, I think C.J. Anderson will get more reps. Whether he can make the most of that or not is up to him. There's no reason why he can't come off a season like last year and replicate that going in this year. I think if they do do that, um, then, you know, the Broncos could be looking at having maybe a surprise year in regards to the, the, what we think they're capable of. Um, but wideouts, okay. Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas are your, are still your number, your top two names. Um, and that makes them a little bit predictable, I think. I think if you if if you've played against the Denver Broncos in the last two or three seasons, you know that they're the go-tos. If your defense is is good, which let's be honest, we've talked about it on previous pods, a lot of teams have stacked up on D this year. Then you can pretty much limit them to a run game or try and put Manning under as much pressure as possible. And we saw that that was an effective way to to deal with him at the Super Bowl against the Seahawks when they walked it. So yeah, I'd be worried if I was a Broncos fan. It's a transition year, I think. Yeah, I, I believe so. And it, it, in the, in the case of CJ Anderson, it's one of those questions where if this is inevitably the end of the Peyton Manning era, then you want to have the fewest amount of transition positions in it going exactly. into next season. And if yep. they can solidify CJ Anderson as a, you know, as a 1400 yard running back, 
then then they don't have to worry about that going into oh god what are we going to do without Peyton Manning now yeah. um and uh, you mentioned within the receiving core uh, Emmanuel Sanders coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers at, at the beginning of last year um and he's sort of with the departure of I believe it was Eric Decker he slotted himself into yeah. the second receiver position and he never got the chance to play that really with uh, with the Steelers, do you think he's got the ability to fill into that second receiver role and provide a good outlet, especially on like the check down passes, which are going to be a little bit more comfortable for you know a guy with the with the throwing power now or the decline throwing power of Peyton Manning? Yeah, I, I totally think he can. I think he did enough last year to suggest that he will be able to step up again this year. I thought he was pretty pretty good last year. Um, I don't have any issues about him. I actually think he's better than Eric Decker, so no problems there. Yeah, that's not entirely difficult to be fair, <laughs> which is why Eric Decker's now with the Jets. But that's another that's topic for another day. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, again, I, I it, you, you've mentioned a lot of teams that have stacked up on defense. Uh, and as far as the Denver Broncos go, they do have a good, solid defensive line, and they've got a strong corner pairing to make up for meh kind of safeties. But their linebacking core is, I mean, they they've got good outside linebackers, especially with the prospect like Von Miller, but. My, I guess my question is, is that especially when you're looking at the AFC West that includes the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Chiefs, is, do the Broncos pretty categorically have the best defense in the, in the West? I, I don't know. It's difficult. I, you know, the Raiders have got a couple of really big playmakers on, on the, um, Mac is the one that stands out for me. Uh, you know, he's had an amazing preseason. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think there are a couple of players that, uh, that have got big names across the rest of the, the division. Um, Justin Houston, for example, with the Chiefs. I, mm, I'd be tempted mm. to say, I don't know whether they've got the premier defensive unit, but with players like Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware on that line, it's hard to disagree. Um, Akil Talib is probably a little bit older than he needs to be. Same could be said the, for DeMarcus Ware, though. That is true. And that's my only concern, you know. Well, while I'm looking at these, these, these squad, these squads, I, I'm worried about age, you know. We've been talking about Peyton Manning getting old or being old. Yeah, you know, the Denver Broncos aren't exactly a young team. Um, and that's a problem. As you were saying about making sure that certain positions are locked up and you don't have to worry about it. I'm sure that there are some concerns about some defensive situations as well. I wouldn't go with Premier Defensive Unit, but a strong one. Okay. All right. Well, that'll wrap up the Broncos. We can move on to somebody else that potentially has a little bit more fun to talk about at the quarterback position, like the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. Philip Rivers is the most memeable quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. You can make a funny picture out of his facial expressions for <laughs> any situation. He is a true team player in making sure that the internet has the ability to laugh at the NFL. Now, He's still going strong with yet again a subpar receiving core, and he's the clear holder of the starting position, but is he the same quarterback that he was whenever Drew Brees left? I think he's a better quarterback. I think he's learned. I think he's come a long way. Um, he's shown incredible composure in a team that does have a lot of mediocre players in it, as you said. I don't think they've really nailed down the running back position for quite a few years. Um, obviously when you have someone like LT in there who basically makes the entire franchise, um, it's hard to recover from that. But I think you've been a bit unfair on the wide out situation. I think Keenan Allen is a boss for a guy who's that small. He does make a lot of plays. Malcolm Floyd isn't that bad. Um, 
Uh, Jacoby Jones on kick return, punt return as a wide receiving option is not a bad situation. Stevie Johnson, okay, not exactly getting any younger, but you know what? They all come together. They could form a good set, and it's also about personalities and how they react with their QB. And Philip Rivers is is not just a good quarterback, but he's a personality, and I think you need that sometimes. Yeah, okay, Antonio Gates is suspended, which means they lose the, the tight end strength. Um, that is a big loss, no no doubt about that. I always had time for Antonio Gates, but. Speaking hey, of Antonio time, Gates, real quick, didn't he just celebrate his thousandth birthday? How long has this guy been in the league? <laughs> yeah, that's probably why they suspended him because uh, they realized that he'd been forging. Sir, you're too past. old. You're only worth twelve games a, a year anymore. That's just all you can do. <laughs> Seriously, passport dated back to whoever knows. Yeah, I, I think that looking at the division, the FC West is one of these really odd ones. Like. There are teams in here that should be better, but aren't. You know, people always say, "Oh, maybe the Broncos should walk it." And obviously, the Raiders are rubbish. But the Chargers are caught in this odd situation. You know, they're better than the Raiders. They could be just as good as the Chiefs and are sometimes better. But maybe this is the year that they're better than the Broncos. I don't know. It's one of those. They're, they're very hard to predict. I think they're one of the hardest teams to predict in the NFL. The Chargers. Well, and you look at a guy like Philip Rivers, and he's, he's an interesting guy because he throws up, he throws up, he, he's almost like a, a slightly more composed Tony Romo, which isn't saying a whole heck of a lot because Tony Romo is just about as composed as a 12 year old. But <laughs> the, uh, the issue that I run into with Roger, or excuse me, with Rivers is the exact same as Romo, is he consistently puts up good numbers. But at the same time, he doesn't really look all that good doing it. Now, yeah, no, that's you mentioned the running back position. And I find this a bit odd going around and doing my internet research like, like most of, you know, guys like me who are quasi wish I was a broadcaster, but not really. Um, <laughs> you've got the likes of Brandon Oliver starting in the, on the depth chart over Melvin Gordon, Danny Woodhead, and Donald Brown. Now, Donald Brown, I'll count as a half point because he hasn't had the chance to prove himself and the Colts have never had a good running game. Uh, since Edger and Games, and now that might change this year, but we've already talked about that. Now, Melvin Gordon is a, is a good looking young running back, and Danny Woodhead has proven himself as a guy who can get to, get you to a thousand yards. Where does this Brandon Oliver kid come off, you know? Well, I think it's just one of those decisions. They must have seen something in him. Maybe they've done one of those, oh, he's got the tangibles, you know, which is, what does that really mean? Well, it means that we think he's good enough. Uh, yeah, right. Nobody knows what that means. <laughs> so maybe it's just one of those decisions. I mean, I, I think decisions made at the, the start of the season. We've seen that with some of the QB decisions this week. I mean, crikey, I know we're not talking about them this week, but in reference to this, the, the depth chart decision at the quarterback position for the Bills. I mean, like, what? Right. You're gonna, right. You're, you're gonna get, you're gonna get rid of him and then you're gonna bring back, I can't remember his name, the, who's the number two now, to drop Manuel to three. You're gonna bring back the guy in two. Matt Castle. Matt Castle, thank you. And then you're gonna start with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, it's like, what the, what is going on there? Right. I mean, Rex Ryan just creating media for the sake of being Rex Ryan. But the point is, all of these decisions can be, seemed odd going into week one and you're kind of like, well, this is weird, but I think the teams are, yeah, and, and maybe not in the quarterback position, but I think running back positions might be a little bit more flexible in a team like the Chargers. Like, you know, is Oliver going to be the number one choice going through the season? I don't know. Not with Danny Woodhead with his experience and Melvin Gordon with his promise. I think that could change. So, yeah, it is an odd choice, but I wouldn't be surprised if it changed. We could also be looking at a New Orleans Saints sort of system where, uh, well, we'll, we'll just talk about that a little bit later. Now, on the yeah. defensive side of the ball, apart from Brandon Flowers and Eric Weddle, 
Would you describe this defense as proven just yet? No, I think it's got a little bit more work to do. Um, I think there are, it's difficult, you know. I think this divi- this whole division is one of those sort of not quite sure. I, I think Eric Weddle's not too bad, free safety. I've always liked him. And I think there are a couple of players that could squeeze through and maybe make a difference. But yeah, I mean, you've got two standout players that are, are basically leading the team. I don't know whether it's proven is, is a good question. Um, I think proven would imply that they have to make it out of the division. So I think if they can prove that, then their defense is, is good enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, the only other question that I have on the Chargers is that maybe not, maybe not proven is the correct word, but of the, of the 16 games they play this season, six of them come from this division. When you consider them up against the Oakland Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Denver Broncos, is it, is it enough to at least, is it enough to at least come out of the divisional games well? Yes. I think based on the strengths and weaknesses of the other teams in this division, it's one of, it's a very flaky division. Um, I think, I think if you, if you have the upper hand in your division, I think that always puts you in a good position, especially in, uh, in the AFC West. And with the decline of the, the seemingly dominant Denver Broncos since the arrival of Peyton Manning, that may be an achievable goal this year. Exactly. Alrighty. Now, on on the note of the Oakland Raiders, normally, much like the Jacksonville Jaguars, when we quote-unquote previewed them, I would start this off, and then you would cut me off, and then we would both say, yeah, yuck, and then we'd move on to the next one. But is it as yuck as it normally is supposed to be? Latavius Murray is a solid choice at running back. Derek Carr is much better than his brother, albeit, again, that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. And your beloved Michael Crabtree is going to be starting next to rookie Amari Cooper. Uh, first question is, is this an improved offense than we've seen out of the Oakland Raiders in, I, I mean, the past decade? Yes. Uh, I don't rate Michael Crabtree, really. Um, it's the one thing I didn't believe about Harbaugh when he said that Michael Crabtree had the best hands he'd ever seen. Um, I'm afraid I have to disagree there. Um <laughs> But I think he, he fits this team perfectly, you know, what the Raiders are trying to do. He's got the experience um, to help out someone like Amari Cooper, and I think he's going to have a huge year. I think Amari Cooper is is, is pretty special. Um, I think he's going to be massive this year, and I think Derek Carr will really benefit from having someone like that to go to. We've, we've always said that QBs, uh, that, sorry, the wide receivers were only ever as good as the quarterback, but that is also the same the other way around. Um, you know, big question. You could talk an entire podcast about it, but would Joe Montana has, have been, would he has, oh, wow, I can't even speak today. Gotcha, would he have been just as good if he hadn't had Joey Rice on his side? Um, and that's an open-ended question that you can argue both ways. But the point is, it certainly helped having the best player ever to play the game catching your footballs. Um, now I'm not saying Amari Cooper is going to be anywhere near that, but someone who has that confidence of youth and obviously the talent is going to help Derek Carr coming into his second season, looking a bit more experienced. I think that's a good thing for the Raiders. They should be, if I'm a Raiders fan, I, I would be happy. I'd be excited going into this season. I think there's a lot of promise there from a team that hasn't shown very much of that in recent years. Well, well just as a, as a uh, brief side note, I have a family full of Bears fans that would like to make the argument for Walter Payton as the best uh, player that's ever played the game. But that's another topic for another day. Um, 
Now, sure. I mean, we could sit down and talk about that over a bowl of rice. Oh, sorry. I mean. <laughs> All right, you cheeky turd. Call it now. I want an answer. Who's going to have a better year, Amari Cooper or Odell Beckham Jr.? Amari Cooper. Yeah. Amari Cooper. All right. Seems like we're always going to be on the same wavelength. <laughs> hey. And for that, I love you. It's a good sign. Love you, Indeed. Indeed. All right. Now, is there anything at all other than perhaps the aging Charles Woodson that's even really to be proud of for the Oakland Raiders on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, Khalil Mack. We talked about it earlier. He's had a huge preseason. I thought he was massive. Um, you know, I, I don't think you can underestimate that kind of influence. Um, yeah, of course, Charles Woodson is basically in need of a wheelchair. He's that old. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> there are still people willing to step up. And I think if you've got a couple of players who uh, are going to lead this team, let's not underestimate the influence that players and leaders like Charles Woodson have on teams off the field. Um, obviously, it's not as star-studded as it could have been. And with... I know he's not on the defensive side of things, but with Menelik Watson being injured, that was a blow. Sometimes Raiders fans will say that they've not had their turn of luck in recent years, and there's certainly a case for that. But with the offensive weapons, a couple of players on defense, okay, Justin Tuck is also getting on, but still experienced. And we saw one of those incidences last season where he, he sort of, his experience and his, he managed to calm, I think it was an odd situation where the players thought the, the play was over. But he was bringing the play back. I can't remember the details exactly, but his experience in that situation basically stopped or prevented the Raiders from, from conceding a touchdown. Um, and it's things like that that could make the difference come, come the end of the season. Okay. And the only other question that I've got on the, on the topic of the Raiders is that while we've talked about several times with several defensive overhauls with, with many of the, with many of the NFL teams in the league, it seems as if the Oakland Raiders have done kind of the opposite where they haven't really tried to strengthen their defense, but at the same time, their offense is completely revamped. Is this going to be a strategy that works out for them in the 2015-16 season? Why not? I mean, just try and outscore opponents. It'd be nice for Raiders fans to get at least one side of the ball working, right? <laughs> nah. It's not... It's not eh, that's about all I got. <laughs> all right, so the last team in the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs, another Jonathan Harding favorite is Alex Smith. Another quick fire. Would you rather have kept Smith over Colin Kaepernick? Please say yes. Oh, that's very hard. Uh, I'm very biased against Colin Kaepernick, so this could be, this could be our first little fight. Oh, no. I'm going to go with no. Um, uh, I know, I know. Uh, but you got to look at it this way, right? Alex Smith, we had the, we had the offense set up around Alex Smith because we had it. He, he was a conservative thrower. He's not necessarily a big... Now, don't get me wrong, he made some massive plays for us. Mm -hmm. um, but he was a fairly one-dimensional quarterback, um, which can be advantageous. There's no doubt about it. But I think looking at Cap, looking at his development... If you ask me... Ask me that question again at the end of this season because I think this season will be really key. He's worked... We talked about it on the problem we talked about the Niners. He worked with Kurt Warren in the offseason... What I'm looking for him this season is consistency in the six to eight yard throw mark. He needs to be able to make those throws. He needs to stop advertising which players he's going to throw the ball to. Um, and then I think he just needs to be sensible in those situations and make better decisions. We all know that he's good when he runs with the ball. And I think I would always have a, a QB who, who can make, uh, plays with his legs because as we saw against the Ravens in that 
Super Bowl that we never want to talk about, but I always talk about. Um, mm-hmm. we, we would never have been in that situation had he not used his feet. And yeah, Alex Smith is a good QB and I'm really pleased that he went on to do good things and, and be very, very decent for Kansas. But we made some big changes bringing in Cap. And I think the offense has changed as a result. Maybe that was a disadvantage. Maybe that's the reason that Frank Gore left uh, because he wasn't getting enough reps. And that's if that's one of the things that's a big shame, uh, I think he's never lost him. But I'm rambling now. But yeah, the Smith thing, I would have taken Cap based oh. on him being good this year. Oh, the rambles of a of a lost, lost San Francisco Niners fan. <laughs> you, you, only on the fourth and five. Thank you very much. <laughs> Perhaps there is indeed no hope. All right. So you've got on the the rest of the side of the offense, the rest on the offensive side of the ball. You've got Jamal Charles, who remains one of the better running backs in the league, and you've seen a bit of a marquee receiver swap. And I think this is a good one, if you ask me. Dwayne Bow for Jeremy Macklin. Do you think Macklin comes in and automatically makes a difference with this team? Yeah, sure. I mean, I would have liked to have kept Bow. I think he's actually underrated. Can make some plays, but yeah, Macklin will make a difference for sure. And last question: Does their defense still suck? Uh, you know what? Yes and no. I mean, God, they've had some decent performances, but it's a question of whether they can really put up enough points. I've always sort of, sort of seen the Chiefs as someone who can outscore teams, really. Um, mind you, I think the story of the year should be if Eric Berry does anything remarkable, then that guy deserves a medal because <laughs> what a huge effort. <laughs> All right, and that wraps up the AFC West. Um, quite succinctly, I might say. So we move on to the last division to be previewed, the NFC South. So I want to start with the hotbed sort of topic team right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, talking about one Jameis Winston. Now we'll talk about more, more about Winston in the future of this pod, but Jameis Winston has Mike Evans. Uh, you know, you, he, can he, can he throw better, can he throw better than Mike Glennon? I mean, that's not saying a whole heck of a lot either, but I mean, you've got a rookie quarterback that comes in, so much controversy wrapped up around him, and yet he hasn't looked, he hasn't looked terrible in preseason, but he hasn't looked like a world beater either. Uh, is he going to make a difference with this team? Yes. I think that you're bringing in Dirk Cutter from the Falcons, right? Who's now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, we have this conversation every year about QBs and are they going to be the difference and will they be the franchise player that we really are, they the next Joe Montana, you know, whatever it is. I think Jameis Winston can be the, the QB that the Bucs have wanted for a while. I think he can throw better than Mike Lennon. Um, I think he's going to have the advantage of coming into a team and working with Cutter on this on this offense, um, all the sign, all the sounds coming out of preseason and the ta- and and their work in in the preseason uh, are good. There's no reason to think he can't do well. Obviously, you know, fourth and five word of warning. Never really judge a, a rookie QB on a preseason and all the hype. But based on this what is I've the seen, official fourth and five word of warning. <laughs> See, it sounds like something like don't drink and drive, you know, <laughs> but. I mean, honestly, I, I, I feel positive. I think I, I feel really positive about both QBs this year that have come in, um, Winston and Mariota. I, I think he's going to be good, Winston. I wouldn't be surprised. And you've got to look at the division. Look at it in the context of the division, right? The Bucks are coming off a two and 14 year, right? Which is terrible. But 
if you look at, and I know we'll talk about them in a bit, in a bit, but you look at the, the Saints and you look at the Panthers and you look at the Falcons, right? There is an opportunity here that if Winston gets going, then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Maybe they could sneak a playoff spot. Oh, goodness, folks, you heard it here. You heard it here. The Buccaneers could sneak a playoff spot. I know that's huge, but I'm just saying, if you look at the rest of the division, that isn't completely crazy. Well, and the one person that Jameis Winston's going to need to get back to his rookie form is one Doug Martin, who had an incredible rookie year. And then he completely disappeared last year. My main question to you, John, is he back? Well, he needs to be. Uh, for that, for that playoff prediction to come true, they need to be operating at 100% in all areas of their offense. So and fingers that crossed, that right? Doug Martin or Bobby Rainey, whoever it is, right? Ooh, they need Bobby to. Rainey, hometown Western Kentucky University legend, repping. He, he went to he went to the college uh, where I'm from. Wow, see, representing, boy. representing. Um, yeah, honestly, I I think it's he needs to, but I think he knows that. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see how the pressure falls on him. Would love to see Bobby Rainey step up. You know, there are a couple of WKU players, uh, in, in, in the NFL, but none of note. So don't go scouring through the depth charts to see if you can't find them. Um, so <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, they have improved with the pickup of Major Wright from Chicago. He was a heck of a ball player for the Bears, but is Major Wright a, a small, pretty fish in a disgusting sewage ridden pond? I mean, the Buccaneers have one of the worst defenses in the league. How much is a guy like Major Wright going to improve them going forward? They have a yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a tough situation for them. I mean, Gerald, Gerald McCoy is, I've I've always liked Gerald McCoy, um, mm, but yeah, you, and I also think that the recruitment of Tim Jennings, who was cut and then 
brought in. I mean, it's hard to keep up. This mm-hmm. off season has been crazy for cut and brought in and cut and brought in. I can't, you know, absolutely bonkers. It's more swaps and changes than a fashion show in Milan. I, I think that <laughs> Tim, Tim <laughs> you'll like that one. I thought you'd get a, get a giggle out of that one. Um, Tim Jennings is, is a good pickup for experience. Um, there are a couple of nice additions here and there. Uh, DJ Swearinger is not bad, but yeah, major right leadership, Tim Jennings experience. Maybe there'll be an improvement. They can only go up, right? They can only get better. They literally cannot get worse. Cannot get worse. And there are several ex-Bears players that um, that have found their way into the NFC South, uh, another team in which there's a former Bears players on, uh, Carolina Panthers. You've got Luke Keekley, You've got Roman Harper. You've got Charles Tillman. You've got Star Ludalele. I want to hear you say that name real quick. Star Ludalele. Ah, I shouldn't have said it first. I'd rather hear you butcher it without my help. Second, what a defense. Is this, I mean, is this above and beyond not only the best defense in the division, but potentially one of the best defenses in the league? Okay. Yeah. It's definitely the best division in the league. Uh, sorry, <laughs> division. Um, <laughs> it's definitely one of the best in the league. Um, you're talking about. The Broncos earlier in their division, a bit of controversy about whether they're the best in, in this division. The Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers have, have the best defense. There's no, no doubt about it. I've always thought that Luke Kikli was massively underrated until people realized how much of a monster he was. <laughs> they have got so many players on, on that side of the ball that will just turn things around and change the game in their favor. And I actually think that's the only reason that they crept into the playoffs last season. I mean, they weren't even that good. I, I mean, I very, very Eli Manning and the Giants esque. Oh, I mean, that's almost offensive to the Panthers, to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really don't have any time for the Giants. Um, I think, I think that they've got, yeah, you got yeah. the loss of Calvin Benjamin is a huge blow to Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers ambitions this year. You can't, as the Panthers, any fans would be like, yeah, Calvin, Calvin Benjamin was, was a go-to guy last season. You know, you lose him and you're kind of like, mmm, Ted Ginn Jr., mmm, Jericho Cotchery. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Okay. They've still got Greg Olson, who, let's be honest, looks like he should be advertising shampoo and not playing <laughs> NFL. The guy has got like piercing blue eyes. If he's not shampoo adverts, then it's like, I work as a lumberjack and look how wonderful my eyes and muscles are. Honestly, every time he has an interview, I'm just like, this guy should be talking about aftershave, not touchdowns. No, he um, needs to replace Sarah McLaughlin on the uh, on the Save Save Dogs video. They still need to put, play the Sarah McLaughlin song in the background, but it just needs to be several close-ups of like, sad dogs and then Greg Olson's piercing eyes. And then yeah, sad seriously. dogs. Yeah. And then eyes. And then, yeah, seriously, they'd get so much money. Anyway, yeah, whether whatever Greg Olsen looks like, he's going to be key for them in the offense, but they don't have many options in wide receiver now that Benjamin's not there. Cam Newton, ugh, yeah, but I think he's interesting. Cam Newton is like a more inconsistent. Oh, he's like Cap. He's just, he's almost the same as Cap. Um, and I, Panthers fans will obviously say that he's better. Um, he's probably better at the eight yard throws. Um, but I think it's very similar. You know, they both run a lot. They're both very inconsistent. Uh, I think it, it's a similar situation. Um, the, the Panthers have to rely on their D and hope that their offense makes up for the cracks that they lost over the offseason. 
Well, and you talk about the passing game there on the rushing side of the ball. They still are maintaining, they're maintaining trust in a guy like Jonathan Stewart, who is the Brandon Jacobs wannabe. Is he, <laughs> is he worth holding on to anymore? I mean, should they be looking at, at an upgrade at the running back position? Yes. I mean, but they can't. They have to go within this season and then right. kind of deal with it next time. So yeah, but I would think about doing it soon. Well, it'll have to be somebody that hopefully they can keep there for a while because it seems like Cammy. They should have gone for Newton Fred Jackson. They should have gone for Fred Jackson. I mean, I know I don't know whether the cap room is there, but it would have been a good shout, right? Yeah, absolutely. That'd have been a good. It'd have been a good fit for their system. Yeah. Why? Why does he need to go to Seattle where they've got beast mode and he's just going to be like, "Ha ha! I'm just going to live off this guy running everywhere," <laughs> and he's going to get sober. Like Fred Jackson is laughing all the way to the bank and to the stadium because end of the that, Super Bowl. Under the Super Bowl, well, yeah, the O line is just going to open up so many gaps. He could probably make a bloody cup of tea on the way through, right? So right, he can just walk been... in behind Marshall Lynch because or Marshawn Lynch because uh, he's never going to get the ball. Because how do you not give it to Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, I mean, unless you're three yards out with, with thirty seconds to go in the biggest game of the year, then probably you don't give it to him then. But <laughs> anyway, jabs, my friends, jabs. Hey, I've got to. It's just gonna be a really long, dull, scary, sad season. I've got to try and get my my laughs in somewhere, right? Oh, I'm not the only one that's good with adjectives. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. You got a team in which the marquee receiver, who's not a receiver, i.e., Jimmy Graham, is gone to the Seattle Seahawks as if they needed any more improvement. They went out and they found it. Drew Brees said he was hurt by the move. And how could he not be? A tiny man needs a behemoth to throw to. How how damaging is the loss of Jimmy Graham going to be to the New Orleans offense? Hugely damaging. Uh, I think it's more damaging that he went to the Seahawks as well. It's like a really like NFL seriously get it together. Um, <laughs> I think they got part of they got Max Unger in part of that deal though, which is ne- not necessarily bad for their O line. Um, I think I'm right in saying that he joined from. The Seahawks, did he not? Or am I talking rubbish? I think that's Yeah, he did. I think, yeah, I am right. Good. I thought I was going crazy. Um, I think it's a big loss for Breeze. My, my only concern about Breeze is, is, yeah, okay, now he's lost his major target, but what's his accuracy going to be like? Everybody talks about Breeze being the number one Mr. Accurate all the time. And I looked up some stats on him, right? In 2014, he had a 73% accuracy rate under pressure, which is phenomenal, right? Incredible. But that wasn't even as good as it was in 2011 when it was something like 90. So he's get, he's getting worse in that sense. Um, and if you take away Jimmy Graham, who is basically like, if I throw it anywhere like 15 yards within his area, then he'll catch it because he's massive. Then you're going to have to question whether Drew Brees is going to be... You also remember Drew Brees is a small man. So if he's in... Tiny man. He's a tiny man, man. right? He's he's a Lego man stood behind, you know, trees of an O-line. A real David and Goliath situation with trees and Jimmy Graham. Except our friends this time. (laughs) So if you're looking, if you're Drew Brees in the pocket and you're trying to find a wideout, A, you no longer have your biggest wideout, who's the easiest to spot. And I'm not trying to be facetious here, but seriously, you you know, if you're looking for Marquise Colston or Brandon Coleman or Brandon Cooks, none of those names are really stirring or inspiring me then you're going to have to make sure that you either step further back in the pocket or you make sure that you're, you know, using your feet more. And I'm not sure really Drew Brees is in a good position. I think it could be a really damaging year for the Saints. I I don't know whether I'm really pumped. I mean, Mark Ingram is underrated um, in the running back position. I thought he did a really good job for them last year. But 
I mean, who's he going to throw to? I mean, Brandon Cooks and Marcus Colston are going to have to have absolutely phenomenal years, the best years of their career. Um, but it's going to, have, you know, as we've said for a number of teams, the other side of the ball is going to have to make up for it. And it's the Saints D that's going to have to step up. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of, what sort of psychological takedown Marcus Colson is going to have, you know, mainstay starting receiver there for years. And what a, what a, what a story coming out of Hofstra, I think it was some, some, you know, teeny tiny school. And then he comes in and makes a huge impact with the Saints. Another big receiver demoted down to uh, the second receiver spot behind Brandon Cooks. I think you're absolutely right. The receiving core, it, it has definitely taken a hit with Graham being gone. And the running back situation, I've never been a fan of the way that the Saints run run their offense because they, no. they haul in all of these great running backs. You've got Mark, Mark Ingram, C.J. Spiller, who did well for Denver. You've got Kiri Robinson, who's been there for a couple of years and is, has come out as a, a really good scat back. And then Tim Hightower, who's, yeah, he's Tim Hightower. You know, I guess my question is, is does Mark Ingram win the battle for the most carries, which will probably only total a hundred by season's end? Does he win again? Yeah, he has to, really. I mean, yeah, you're right. You've got a couple of plays in there. It depends what plays they run, but I think Mark Ingram is, is the player that's going to get you the three, four yards to get you across the line. I mean, CJ Spiller is, as you say, a good alternative, but I've always thought Mark Ingram is a decent running back. And there was that talk a few, I don't know whether it was last year or the year before, where it was like, pay the man, you know, he was asking for money that the Saints didn't want to pay because they didn't think he was worth it. And then he basically delivered and it was kind of like, well, really? <laughs> that's so, where you just hold your hand out and you're like, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was right. You know, I was right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, yeah, it's got to be Mark Ingram really. And then last but not least, you've got the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you've got Matt Ryan staying at quarterback, who is as strongly mediocre as ever. The other question that I've got is, is will there ever be a marquee running back for the Falcons when a team can effectively kill the career of an incredible running back like Steven Jackson? It may not be possible for them to have that sort of 200, 250 carry guy a year. Is that the case? Well, you've got Devonta Freeman, right? Who's the uh, the only non-rookie running back? So, I mean, is he going to be your man? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's difficult for any running backs to go to the Falcons and be successful. I actually think that Matt Ryan is above mediocre. I've always thought he was really, really good, but he was never necessarily surrounded by enough quality. Um, Julio Jones and Roddy White are obviously really, really good, but Julio Jones, I don't think, is as good as his huge paycheck that he picked up this, what was it like 45 million guaranteed on a 75 million deal. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think he's that good. He just must have a really good agent. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think Matt Ryan is really, really decent. I think he's uh, great accuracy. I remember I watched him when I watched the Falcons play the lions in London last year. And uh, yeah, I thought, He's got a lot of poise in the pocket, and uh, that's not often the case. A lot of people try and rush things. I feel like he takes his time. But the problem with Matt Ryan is that, as I say, you know, sometimes if either of those players aren't open or only Julio Jones is on the field and he's double covered, then you, you see him trying to force it and he throws a pick. Um, but I think if he had more options and he had a bit more coverage from his O-line, a bit more time, then maybe he'd be a, even better than he is. Let's not forget he gets paid an absolute bomb as well. So... I don't know. No to the answer to your question. No running back <laughs> will necessarily make it, but Ryan is better than, than strongly mediocre. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's one thing I will have to say about Matt Ryan is I think you hit a great note with with the composure aspect of things. Um, it, it's hard not to be composed when you've got big wideout Julio Jones on one side, and then mainstay in the Falcons for years, Roddy White on the other. Yeah, I mean, he's got quality receivers out there. The big question that's surrounding Julio Jones, especially with his big paycheck, is he can he continue going forward and achieve the same sort of results that a Calvin Johnson does, or, is he, or has he hit his peak? The thing about Julio Jones is he's 26, right? He's coming into this season, he's perfectly placed to have a massive campaign and to basically say, you paid me, I delivered, what's up, right? And, you know, yeah, Calvin Johnson is a good example to try and follow. He himself is coming into the season back of flank or knee injuries. Can he really be as good as he was, you know, in clips? same sort of standards that he set himself. Basically, it's this year or nothing, really, for the Jones. I'm saying nothing. That sounds unfair, but the guy's been paid $45 million in guarantees. I think he's pretty happy, but he'll, he'll want to deliver. And I think at 26, he's perfectly primed to do that. Um, question is, can he do it in this team with Matt Ryan as his QB? Yeah, and I think that's going to be kind of questionable. You know, I, I, as we've talked about several times, Receivers are only as good as their quarterbacks. There are only so many times that I can repeat that before uh, listeners will get annoyed with it. But, um, I mean, it's 100% true. And with a guy like Julio Jones, he has so much upside, and he still really has so much upside. I'm just not necessarily sure if the Falcons system, if Matt Ryan can can fulfill that upside. You know what? We can only really see that. Um, I think Matt Ryan is good enough. I think Julio Jones is good enough. But can their D hold enough points? Can can they be enough of a team rather than just an offense? Big questions surrounding the Falcons, indeed. All right. So at long last, we are finished with the preseason previews. We move on. To- High five, mate. Well done. <laughs> good work. <laughs> Well, we move on to a little bit more fun since we only covered two divisions this week. Uh, I want to take a look at week one again starting tomorrow. Um, and just, just real quick, 30 seconds or less, I want to, I want to talk about the games. Uh, we split these half and half between John and I, and we're just going to run through them real quick and attach a W to them. So John, I'm going to have you start first. Which one do you want to talk about real quick? Browns at Jets. Uh, nice QB setup here. I think that that's going to be the defining Situation: You've got Bo and Hartline versus Marshall and Decker in the wideout situation. I think it's going to come down to Manziel versus Fitzpatrick or Geno Smith. And based on how we both feel about Geno Smith and although and Fitzpatrick, as good as his beard is, I'm going to go with Johnny Manziel. He's uh, cleaned up, come back, and it's going to be a Browns W. All right, and starting off the week one, the week one bonanza is the Steelers versus the Patriots. Now, if you would have asked me. Two weeks ago, even one week ago, really, I would have told you Steelers win just by simply outscoring since our defense is so poor, or at least so unproven. But now that Tom Brady's back, albeit, albeit the Patriots are missing Julian Edelman, I think they have too much quality on the offense. And unfortunately, week one, I think I'm going to have to go against my Steelers, Patriots, W. Okay, uh, Vikings... Same sort of situation, mate. I'm going to have to go with the Vikings W against the Niners. Uh, It hurts to say that, but Teddy Bridgewater is coming off a good preseason. Adrian Peterson is pissed off and will be getting the ball. We're still finding our feet. Navarro Bowman is our defensive leader. Eric Reed is decent, and I I like him as well back there, but I think the Vikings are going to be pumped, and uh, I think if they get to cap early, it's all over. I'm going to go with the Vikings W against my Niners. 
Another big game coming up on Sunday is the good old rivalry, the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. Now, again, if my if my family actually listens to it, which, to be fair, they do make up half of our constituency here at the 4th and 5 NFL podcast, they're probably <laughs> going to to disown me for this, but I don't think the Bears have shown enough in the preseason, and I don't think they've filled the gaps as well as they should have on on the defensive side of the ball to stop Aaron Rodgers. I mean, even with the loss of Jordy Nelson, you've still got a strong receiving core. You've got Eddie Lacy that's back. And I think week one, always got a bit of the jitters to it. Jay Cutler is probably going to throw a couple of interceptions as much as that hurts to say Packers W. Seems fair enough to me. Dolphins at the Redskins, I believe. Washington Redskins. I prefer to call them Washington just to be on the right side of correctness. Uh, I'm going to go with Finns W. Um, Tannehill is the better QB, whoever starts for Washington. And, uh, they have the better D because, you know what, they signed that really, really big guy and, uh, he cost them a lot of money. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the difference. Dolphins W against the Skins. All right. Birds against birds. The Eagles on the Falcons taking on Monday night football. Um, to be honest with you, this whole Eagles system that Chip Kelly's trying out, it looks like it's either going to be, it's either going to be fly or bust. Um, you know, it, it's, they haven't really figured out a good option at the quarterback position. They do indeed have Sam Bradford, but there's only so much that Sam Bradford's going to be able to do with a weakened receiving core. I think whenever you take a real hard look at it, no matter how well DeMarco Murray might settle into the Eagles running game, I don't think they have enough on defense to stop the likes of Julio Jones, Roddy White, and Matt Ryan. Devonta Freeman's not going to make a huge impact. I'm going to have to call a narrow, very, very narrow Falcons W. Wow, big call. Um, Seahawks at Rams. Well, as much as that sounds like a predictable game, I think it's going to be a lot closer than it has been in recent seasons. I think the Rams have come a long way and they've improved. Plus, yeah, okay, they may have lost uh, the man that you just mentioned, Sam Bradford, but they got Nick Foles and he's a gunslinger, so maybe that'll work out for them. I think the Seahawks will edge it, even though they won't be at home and they won't have their home crowd. But it will be a lot closer than in recent seasons. So Seahawks W. Interdivisional matchup: Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I think I'm going to go out on another limb here and say, albeit again a narrow victory, I think the Bengals are going to edge here. Something wow. about Andy Dalton. I just I can't get away from the fact that I might be impressed with him one day. And the Baltimore defense, albeit it is indeed stout, so too is the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to have to call a low-scoring game. Flacco doesn't quite get off the mark, kind of like he normally doesn't quite get off the mark. And Bengals W. That is huge. Lions at Chargers. You know what? This is really close. I thought it was going to be a Lions win all the way when I first looked at it. But in truth... The more I, the more I look at it and the more that we talk about, we talked about the Chargers earlier, even without Gates, Allen, Floyd, Rivers on form, maybe Danny Woodhead gets the ball. They're at home. I'm going to go with the Chargers W. All right. The Indianapolis Colts also take on the Buffalo Bills. And I think this one's going to be pretty obvious, especially based on our preseason preview of the Indianapolis Colts. I think Frank Gore comes in and makes an immediate impact. I think, I think Andrew <laughs> doesn't make doesn't make any sort of mistakes or at least none of note. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I think the indie, the, the indie defense, uh, holds up better than it's supposed to. There's too many quarterback questions for the Buffalo Bills. And albeit they have named 
their starter in Brian Hoyer. Uh, it's just, it's not going to be good for them. I don't believe I'm going to go with the Colts W. Nice. Saints at Cardinals. Well, we talked about it. Saints don't have anyone to throw to. Uh, Drew Brees won't be able to see anybody. And I do think that the Cardinals are a much better team this year. And I think they're going to be getting the W at home. All right, you've got the Tennessee Titans under new boy Marcus Mariota versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under new boy Jameis Winston. I think this is going to be an interesting and what a matchup for week one. You've got the two rookie quarterbacks uh, duking it out to see who's going to make them the more immediate impact. And to be honest with you, even though we just talked up the Buccaneers and even though the Titans were crap last year, I think they eke out a win, the Titans. Wow. Big cool. Like it. Here's hoping. Uh, Giants or Cowboys? Well, anybody who's playing the Giants, I'm going to be rooting for. So, uh, <laughs> no, let's, let's put that, let's put that childish feeling aside, Jonathan. Um, I think it's going to be a home W for the Cowboys anyway. Uh, there's not been a good number of signs really coming out of the Giants preseason. Lots of talk about Eli Manning not really being on the same page as Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. Victor Cruz is coming back, uh, but he will need some game time to sort of get used to being back in the, in the, in the mode. Um, I fancy, the Cowboys D to come up big and you know what, maybe Darren McFadden will have a day, but even if he doesn't, Tony Romo, Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, it's enough. Um, Cowboys W. I think anybody who talks about a Jaguars win kind of makes the down blows itch in an uncomfortable way. And they're going up against the Panthers who, as we just mentioned, has one of the better defenses in the entire league. Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles may have had it once upon a time. I'm not sure where he lost it but I don't think he's got it still. And the Jacksonville team just looks like a typical Jacksonville team. I think this is the easiest call of my lot. Panthers win. Nice. Yeah, I probably agree with you there. Boom. Who says we don't get this stuff done and it's nice and slick? Boom. All right. Phase three. So, pros and cons. Pros and cons. All right. So, especially considering the week one matchup, I've got to ask Mariota and Jameis Winston. Are they right. saviors for this team? Call it now. Or are they yet another drowned talent in two teams that consistently drown talent? Right. I'm going to go with pro Jameis Winston saving the Buccaneers and maybe con the Tennessee Titans in sense of Mariota saving them. I don't think Mariota has enough weapons. I think that Jameis Winston does, and I think he'll be a better fit and maybe do more in that offense. Um than the Titans. That's where I'm going. So I'm going pro Winston, con Marriott. And in our first relationship fight podcast, we have a second. I'm going to have to go the opposite of you. I think Mariota has more of the tangibles, which is completely undefinable, but I love the way that he throws the ball. I love his composure when he's in the pocket and he's mobile. I think the Tennessee Titans are going to need more options on the offensive side of the ball. But if you've got Mariota who can run and he can pass, I think that's a heck of a starting point. You can say the same about Jameis Winston, but at the same time, even though he may have a better team around him, you've got a floundering Doug Martin who I don't think gets it back this year. And the receiving core, albeit it is better than what Tennessee has, I don't think Jameis Winston is going to be able to handle the pressure, especially coming out of his senior year of college or whatever his last year of college was. I don't keep up with that stuff, but I think he's <laughs> coming into the NFL with a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit more fog around his head, to be honest with you. And I'm not sure if it's going to help out the Buccaneers who are a drowning team anyway. 
So the last part of this podcast that we're going to do, like always, we want to make the connection to other sports, especially since this is hosted by the Anfield Index podcast, a premier soccer podcast production company. (laughs) So we're going to continue right on along with the football to soccer comparisons. John, I'll let you have this one. What have you got for us this week? Well, I'll let you do the Bucks because we were just talking about them in such lovely ways. Ha ha. Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Uh, it was a tough one in the end, but this will be of great interest to obviously the, the fans of the AI and the people working at AI. I'm, Liverpool are the, are the comparison team for the Cowboys. A Ooh, bit of a dangerous, okay. I know, dangerous, dangerous. Well, let's go with the, the facts. They were both great in the eighties and right. Obviously the Cowboys, particularly in the nineties, but there's, a, there's an overlap. Um, and both of them have been striving to get back there ever since. But haven't. So it's sort of difficult. Yeah, I know that Liverpool had that Champions League moment in 2005, which was obviously something that will go down in, in the memory. But you know what? I think there's, there's a valid comparison there. And obviously it's not always easy to make the comparisons between two teams, but you've also, well, yeah, let, let's think about that. You have, uh, you, you've got, you've got Tony Romo as your, as your quarterback. So he's not a mobile playmaker. When I think of Liverpool's deep-sitting playmakers, I can't necessarily think that Xabi Alonso, when he was there, he's necessarily a, a mobile playmaker. But you know what? We're stretching it a bit. But Cowboys and Liverpool, that's my comparison this week. So long as it is universally known that Steven Gerrard is much better player than Tony Romo ever will be, then <laughs> that's we're, fine. we're all good. That's, all right. that's very much agreed. So I'm going to bring to the table, like John said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm going to compare them to another Premier League team uh, Aston Villa, actually, which is a, a one that I kind of pulled uh, pulled out of my pants a little bit. But <laughs> the main comparison that I have, and there's fewer here, but I think the ones that I've hit on make sense. Uh, both the Bucks and Aston Villa have won it all once upon a time, and honestly, weren't bad teams once upon a time. Aston Villa, you know, it, it's been a long, long time, but they they do admittedly have a little bit more of a you know a storied history than the Bucks do. Um, but either way, since the last time that they've won it all, they have really struggled to get it back ever since. Both these teams uh, are floundering right now. As we mentioned before, the Buccaneers went two and fourteen last season. Aston Villa have been battling against the you know in in the relegation battle for at least two or three years now, um, and it's just it, it's not good for fans of either teams. Uh, on the plus side. Both teams love promoting youngsters. Whenever you look at the Bucks, you, I mean, we've already talked about Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback. Doug Martin was the starting running back whenever he came into the league two years ago. Um, and on the Aston Villa side, you've got guys like Jack Grealish who are coming in and they're attempting to make an impact. But at the same time, both of these teams are terrible at promoting youth. Tampa Bay, as we said <laughs> before, drowns in talent. And they don't know how to pull out the little drops of water that could turn into something. And Aston Villa, I mean, the best player that they, that has come out of their s- system in the past several years has been who? James Milner? Don't get me wrong, as a Liverpool oh, fan, I, I do know. like Fabian Delph. Fabian Delph. All right. Oh, wait. Right. I forgot. Oh, uh, where is he at? <laughs> Isn't he like in, perpetually in the emergency room now at Manchester City? Something along those lines. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right, so that's what we have for you guys this week on the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. First, once again, thank God the regular season is back and here to stay for the next several months. Second, I am totally better at John than at at predicting week by week who's going to win and who's not going to win. We'll be keeping up with that. And third, this is the third 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. 
and it's been a pleasure so far. Uh, I can't, for those who have listened, I can't say enough how important it's been to the both of us. Um, keep checking us out. We're going to be here all season. I'm Dylan Baker. I'm Jonathan Hotting. And that's the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. First down. Pass interference. Holding number 88. What the bleep are you doing? catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.